Why don't you open up God's word? We're going to think now from Isaiah chapter 6, this weighty moment um, when Isaiah encounters the presence and the, the holiness of God. I was reading this uh, week, words of worship leader and songwriter Matt Redman, who once said this. Listen to this uh, quote from Matt Redman. He said, I've come to love that word, otherness. It's such a great worship word. Otherness, he says, gives us a sense that God is so pure, matchless, and unique that no one else and nothing else even comes close. He is altogether glorious, unequaled in splendor, and unrivaled in power. He is beyond the grasp of human reason, far above the reach of even the loftiest scientific mind. He is inexhaustible, immeasurable, and unfathomable, eternal, immortal, and invisible. The highest mountain peaks and the deepest canyon depths are just tiny echoes of his proclaimed greatness. And the blazing stars above, the faintest emblems of the full measure of his glory. How does that make you feel this morning, those words? It ought to make us all desire to worship the otherness of God, that he is other, unlike, more glorious, more full of splendor than anything we could ever, ever imagine. Well, today we're moving from fresh wind into a season the next three weeks when we're going to think about fresh fire. And a fresh wind has been calling us into a fresh move and desire for a move of the Holy Spirit among us. Well, then fresh fire is going to call us over these next few weeks into a renewed desire for holiness and righteousness as we seek first the kingdom of God in our lives and in the life of this church. Biblical scholars suggest that in the book of Isaiah, the view that we get of God is more complete and more profound than any other single book in the Bible. In the book of Isaiah, we hear over and over again that God is utterly transcendent. In other words, there's no being in the entire universe who even comes remotely close to what God is like in his greatness. He is the Holy One of heaven. He is without comparison. He is utterly without equal. See, this is the otherness of God. What I'm struggling to articulate is the otherness of the God that we worship, the God who is here with us. And we could say that the otherness of God, what makes God utterly other and different and distinct from anyone or anything else in this world is the holiness of God. His otherness is his holiness. God is holy and he is glorious. Does anyone else like me enjoy behind the scenes footage? I, I'm really nosy. I love to see those videos, you know, that go behind the scenes, whether it's a a sports team on the verge of some big game or a, a, an athlete who is preparing for his or her uh, the greatest moment of their life or maybe it's a behind the scenes on a movie set um, somewhere in the world. But I love to see what's going on behind the scenes. Well, here in Isaiah chapter 6, what we see is heaven's curtain peeled back and, and we get to go behind the scenes into the throne room of heaven. We get to go into heaven's headquarters. We get to see what is going on behind the curtain of heaven. And what we see through the eyes of the prophet Isaiah is all at once both terrifying and utterly glorious. It's awesome what we see 
in this moment. What do we see? Well, we see the Lord, if you're following along in the text, we see the Lord and he's high and lifted up. He's high and, and exalted. He's not somewhere low down. The Lord is high, he's lifted up. There's nowhere else where the Lord can be. He's lifted up high and we read that the train of his robe fills the temple. Just close your eyes and, and, and picture that in your mind's eye. Maybe you can't. It's so glorious. The robe, uh, the train of his robe fills the whole temple that Isaiah sees in this awesome vision. There's a sense here of unmatched royalty, divine kingship. The fact that the robe of the Lord fills the temple gives us a sense of the, the immensity of who God is. Just how utterly immense and massive he is in his glorious presence. His presence that will one day fill the whole earth. We see that there are seraphim in his presence. It's the only place, actually, that that word appears in the whole Bible, seraphim. These are heavenly creatures. They're angelic beings. And the word seraphim would, would indicate that they have the appearance of flames. They have six wings. And, and this implies that they have supernatural power. That these are supernatural beings, and yet the seraphim in the throne room of heaven, they have to cover their faces so great is the, is the presence of God. Even they can't look upon him. And as they fly about, they have only one response to, um, to sing to each other, and their response is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. See, God is holy. And he is glorious. That word glory is something that's fascinated me um, for many years. It, it carries a, a sense of weightiness. The glory of God carries a sense of, of the weightiness of his presence. It quite literally means weight. The glory of, the, of God is the weight of all that he is the sheer weight of all that he is, the heaviness, if you like, of his magnificence, the density of his worth and splendor and power. It's the weight of his glory. I, I wish I could describe him to you in a way that's adequate, but words aren't enough. The weight of his glory. There is a weightiness upon the name of God unlike anyone or anything else and he is utterly holy, holy, holy. That triple repetition of holy just means absolute holiness. Like he couldn't be more pure and more holy. He's not just holy, he's holy, holy, holy. Some scholars suggest that that's important because in this moment um, we could be told that God is love, 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 which he is perfect in love. We could be told that he is par, 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 and he is. He's perfect in par. Or we could be told that he is mercy, 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 because he is. He's perfect in, in all of his ways. But we're told in this moment that what Isaiah sees and what he hears is the cry of holy, holy, holy. You see, as human beings, we're created in the image and likeness of God, all of us on planet earth and so there are some things that we see that reflect God in every human being at least there should be things like love the capacity to love the capacity to be merciful to other people those are attributes of God that come from God justice you know when we see justice in the hearts of people even those who don't profess faith in Christ 
a great sense of justice. Well, that comes from God. Sense of mercy, kindness. Those things come from God. But there are other attributes of God that, that, we, uh, that, that aren't inherent within us. That we will never fully share. Omnipotence. I, I am definitely not all-powerful as a human being. Boy, sometimes I wish I was. Three points for Liverpool every, every Saturday. But I'm not omnipotent, omnipresent. Don't have that either. Sometimes I would need to be with the kind of life my my kids have. I'm not omnipotent or omniscience, God's all-knowing nature. You know, we don't carry that the way that God does. But similarly, holiness. Holiness is not something that we inherently possess as human beings. We're We're not born holy. The scriptures teach us that there's no one who does good, not even one. We're reminded in the book of Romans that all have have sinned and, and fall short of the glory of God. And so we are not born holy. And yet in 1 Peter 1, verses 15 to 17, Peter, writing to us as Christians, says this. He says, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This command goes out to us as Christians and it is such a big call, isn't it? Be holy, God says, as I am holy. Be holy. What's the last thing on my mind when I have three boys going in different directions at the same time on a Saturday morning while Molly does cartwheels holding everyone back in the living room? At the same time, the dog is barking at everything that moves, literally everything that moves, kicking the dog out of the way. And at the same time, the rabbit is (laughs) pooping Maltesers all over the kitchen floor. (laughs) And yet I'm to be holy in that moment. It's so hard. Be holy as I am holy, as God is holy. Be holy as he is holy, it's a command. And yet it's so difficult, isn't it? And we all have stresses in our lives. You have things in your life that, that make it really difficult to act in a way that honors God in this way, that makes it difficult to, to reflect him in every aspect of your life. Of course, the good news is that the only way to be made holy is to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who knew no sin, son of God, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the great exchange This is the great, glorious exchange. It's one of the verses in the Bible that that has transformed my life more than perhaps any other. I'm so thankful for this scripture that reminds us that only in Christ can we become the righteousness of God. Only in him and through him can we be made holy. The great exchange is that Jesus takes our sin from us And as he does that, his righteousness is given to us. It's incredible, isn't it? His righteousness is given 
to us. It's not earned. It's not achieved. It's definitely not deserved. But it's given to us. There's a word that theologians sometimes use that I try to avoid, a word that's imputed. It just means that God gives us, he credits to our soul's account righteousness that is his. We're made holy. We're made righteous by what Jesus has done for us. His righteousness becomes ours and we are changed forever. That's what it means to know him. Pray for those who come to Alpha that they would be introduced to the one who knew no sin and yet became sin for them so that they might become the righteousness of God. Pray that for those who come to Alpha. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Listen to this. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. Isn't that beautiful? It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And by that, Jesus, he says, has done everything that needed to be done. See, this is God's righteousness given to us in Christ that enables us to stand in the presence of his holiness. To sing together, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. His righteousness enables us to sit in the glory of his holy otherness. Praise his name. Praise his name. That we can sit in the glory of his holy otherness. That we can do this. That we can be in his presence I don't have a, I'm going to suggest two things this morning for us. I don't have a program to suggest that we'll bring this idea of fresh fire to our lives. I don't have a program, but what I do have, I have a pursuit and a prayer for us. Okay, a pursuit and a prayer. In a world where the message is so often seek first your own desires and ambitions, we're, we're calling each other to seek first the kingdom of God. So number one, we're going to pursue righteousness. We're going to ask God that he would help us to pursue righteousness. If the great exchange means that we become the righteousness of God by Jesus' death on our behalf, then our primary overriding response must be in the direction of his righteousness, that we would follow after that that we would seek first his righteousness and his kingdom, what it looks like to know him and to live out this righteousness in the world. That ought to be what we pursue above everything else. And so we want you to pray that every day. Set a timer, set a timer, lift out the little card, stick it somewhere inside your phone or inside your wallet or in your shirt pocket or wherever. Bring it out every day at the same time and pray, Lord, I want to seek first your kingdom. I want to seek first your righteousness. Show me what that looks like. Help me, Holy Spirit, to live this out in my life today. Who knows, you might open that and read it and pray that in the middle of a really difficult day or when you're sitting with someone who's really difficult to get on with. And the Spirit of God just prompts you, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Show the world what it looks like. 
So we're going to pursue righteousness. And secondly, we're going to pray for a resident spirit of holiness. On a recent church leadership podcast, Pete Gregg was asked what he, he was asked this question. And the question was this, what is, the, what is the thing, Pete, what is the thing that the Lord is calling the church to today? Whenever I heard that question, my, my, I sat up, I was going, what's he going to say? What is the thing? What does Pete Gregg think that the thing is that God is calling the church to today, today, right now, in this moment that we're living in? And here's what he said. He said, there is no question that God is shaking the church. He said, there is a purifying. We have been praying, he's talking about 24-7 prayer. He said, we have been praying for the best part of half a century, come Holy Spirit. And we should expect something to happen. We should expect the spirit of holiness to become, and here's where the phrase comes from, to become resident in the body of Christ in a new way. He said, when you've countless millions praying, come Holy Spirit. Carmoney Church, I want us to join in that great expectation. In this cultural moment that we're living in, I believe people are seeking God. They want to know what this God is like that we serve, that we love. We want them to see him for who he is. Let's pray and join that prayer in great expectation of a spirit of holiness as Pete Gregg urges us, a spirit of holiness that would become resident within the body of Christ in a new way, in a fresh way. But you know what? It won't just happen. It won't just happen. A.W. Tozer once said many years ago, he said, we know nothing like the divine holiness. He said, the natural man or woman is blind to it. He said, we might fear God and admire his wisdom, but his holiness, we can't even imagine. And then Tozer said this, in line with the, what Pete Gregg was saying on that podcast, Tozer said, only the spirit of the Holy One can impart to the human spirit, the knowledge of the holy. And so won't you join me to, as we pray for a resident spirit of holiness to inhabit us, to become resident among us in places where he currently isn't resident, that his holy fire would come and spread among us, that it would be, it would be unmatched, that we would sense it, that we would feel the glory and the weightiness of God's presence among us in a really fresh way. As we ask God for fresh fire, let's pray for the spirit of the Holy One who would impart upon us a deeper knowing of God's holiness, of his presence that would create within us an undeniable awareness of his presence and an insatiable desire to be holy as he is holy. Now, if we're serious about this, be prepared. Be prepared. For a start, the enemy won't like it. Doesn't like us talking about the presence and the holiness and the glory of God. Be prepared. But also be prepared because when we receive a revelation of God's holiness, when we see and feel even the weight of our our own sinfulness, 
when we feel and when we see that, like the prophet Isaiah was in this moment, he was undone in the presence of God. I'm sure he fell to his knees. I'm sure he fell to his knees and he cries out, woe to me, he says, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. That's what happens when we have a revelation of the glory of God. But then what happens next? Look at what happens. A seraphim flies to him. One of these winged creatures flies to Isaiah, touches his lips with a hot coal, and in an instant, Isaiah has his guilt and his sin removed completely. In an instant. Isn't that what we believe about Jesus? That when we come to him in faith and in repentance, when we surrender to him, sin is removed completely and our guilt. Don't carry guilt as a follower of Christ. He removes that. He purifies us completely from the inside out. We see that in this moment with the prophet Isaiah, completely cleansed. And then he's ready for the mission. He's ready to go. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me, I will go and proclaim your greatness and your holiness and your worth to the world around me. Ah, so good, isn't it? So powerful. We would pray for this resonant spirit of holiness. I'm going to finish with a story from the Welsh Revival in 1904. What a good way to finish, a good old revival story. In 1904, spiritual revival touched wheels in a way that had never happened before. It led up towards upwards of 100,000 people surrendering their lives to Jesus. And what was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Imagine 100,000 people giving their lives to Christ. Well, writing about this um, revival, uh, Mark Sayers in his book, Reappearing Church, which is just a wonderful book if you haven't read that. Quite technical and difficult and deep at times, but some brilliant stuff in there. Mark Sayers, writing about that, that moment, says this. He says, a crucial spark that lit the fire of revival occurred when a young man named Evan Roberts prayed with a small group of young people. Any young people in the room, I'd love to have a wee shout out for you. <laughs> As everybody looked at me, yes, I'm young. You don't have to be, it's just young in heart, isn't it? No, it doesn't age, it's just a number. Well, there was a small group of young people and Evan Roberts left them with this challenge from the Lord. He said to them, you must do this. He said, you must put away any unconfessed sin. He said, you must put away any doubtful habits that you have. He said, you must obey the Spirit promptly. And he said, you must confess Christ publicly. Well, 17 young people in that moment responded, the Spirit of God moved in power and a great spiritual awakening and outpouring took place. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it in our day.